Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. I'm Joy Dooling, and you are listening to the Joy of Membership podcast. This podcast is for membership leaders. So we talk about strategies for attracting, engaging, and retaining members. But that's not entirely the focus of the show, because let's be honest here, there is no shortage of advice out there on best practices in membership. What we need to talk about is how to actually make those things possible in the real world, how to be absolutely sure that growth practices are going to stick, how to make those things easier, more consistent, and even automatic in some cases. Sound good? Then stick around because we're about to jump into it. Hey there, Joy Dooling here, host of the Joy of Membership podcast. Thanks for tuning in for today's episode. We talk a lot in this show about providing members with value. If you've listened to many episodes, you've probably noticed that being truly helpful for members comes in many different shapes and sizes. And I hope that you find the stories that you've heard to be inspirational and full of little idea nuggets that you can apply to your own organization. Still, you may find yourself returning to questions like, how can my organization create more value? Are there parts of the member experience where we aren't performing as well as we could? If those questions feel familiar, I'd like to invite you to download my free member experience scorecard. It's a quick one-page assessment that tells you exactly where your membership-based organization has areas of strength that you can build on and areas of gap where you're probably going to want to improve. The scorecard is free and in less than 10 minutes, you'll gain some actionable insights. You can grab your copy right now at joyofmembership.com slash scorecard. Part of the role of being a leader in a membership-based organization is ensuring that members experience a culture of acceptance and respect when engaging with us. Most of us want to be inclusive. We want to remove barriers that would make anyone feel unsafe or unheard. Yet we know that our organizations exist within many systems where there can be problematic elements. Sometimes we may even be blind to those problems ourselves. Rashima Davis is the founder and principal consultant of Embolden Action. Systems change is her area of expertise. Rashima spent a few minutes with me in this episode sharing her thoughts on this very complex topic. I was particularly encouraged by her perspective on how each of us as leaders can begin having an impact, even if we feel that the overall issues are too large to get our arms around or have a significant amount of change on. I hope you'll be encouraged by her perspective as well. Hey, Rashima, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. I've been eagerly awaiting this conversation. Oh, thank you so much, Joy, for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. So um, tell us first who you are and who you help. 
Well, um, introduction again, Rashima Davis, and I am the founder and principal consultant of Embolden Action LLC, which I actually just launched in June of this year after a successful nonprofit executive leadership uh, career. And I ventured out on my own and thought that the work that I was doing for a nonprofit, I could expand. And so my business was born. I help executive leaders, um, organizations, whether it's nonprofit or for-profit around systems change, community engagement, and diversity, equity, and inclusion strategies. I, under that umbrella, I also do uh, curriculum development, facilitate trainings, help to strategize about how we can continue to make an impact in our communities and how organizations show up in communities. And given the climate at this time, it's so uh, beneficial. And I think it's um, a great time to, to be partners with Embolden Action and how we can help organizations. So I have been following what you've been posting on LinkedIn over the last few Thank weeks. And you. um, you've been talking a lot about systems change and systems. Yep. So can you, can you tell us what you mean when you talk about systems change? Certainly. Well, for systems change, I really see it as we are, we are all interacting on or within a system and probably the elementary um, connection to systems, right? Is like the planets or when you were in school, you thought about like the body system, et cetera. But there are these infrastructures that exist within our society. So health system, educational system, um, judicial system, et cetera. Uh, very complex infrastructures. And we all have a part in that. And we also have a part in the equities or inequities that exist in systems change or within a system. And we know that we have to make some changes within that to ensure equity uh, exists for all. And uh, individually, because we contribute to the system, whether positive or negative, change needs to happen and how you view a system and see the complexities of it, how you can have unintended consequences within a system and make changes, um, how you connect with uh, a system that overlaps the complexities of it, who's involved with the system. There are just a plethora of questions that you can you can ask about systems and systems change. But more specifically to your to your question, systems change is about impacting the system and obviously changing the system so that it results in equities. And that is a very difficult task to do because of the complexities of it. And sometimes people don't even realize the different systems that are that are in place because they're so ingrained within our culture. So I'm guessing that there are a lot of organizations right now with you know everything that's been happening over the last few months who are you know looking at what's going on around them and just yes. I don't know feeling perplexed about 
what they can do and, you know, what role their association or trade group is playing in the system. And, you know, do they have, you know, internal systems that are, you know, reflecting some of the, you know, the things that are coming up in society at large. So, you know, when you're, when you're talking with an organization, like, where do you begin this exploration work? Like, what what do they do? Yes. <laughs> when they're just feeling like they know something's wrong, but they, they don't know what to do about it. Absolutely. So the first thing to do in exploration is, is have that conversation, just what you said. Um, recognize that they, the organization has something, they know something's happening and they want to do something about it. So I come in and ask questions about what that quote unquote something is to them and help them start to just realize the systems that they're in. And that is done by asking questions, but also um, what I would call systems mapping. And there's a whole term um, around that and um, educational resources around systems mapping. But the easiest way to say that is, or to get to systems mapping, is just to begin identifying the players and identifying who impacts the system and who is affected by the system. So for associations, who is the customer? And that would be who's affected by the system. And then really step back and think about how your your organization is a part of the systems or what policies or procedures or practices have you put in place in order to deliver to your client and also maybe even thinking beyond that and, and thinking well the client and their organization or their um, community or their sphere of, of influence. And so you're actually impacting all of those different layers. Um, and so by doing that exploration time with executives um, within the organization, we're really starting to dig deep and we're starting to identify what are the things that um, affect the system. And it could be, again, like a policy or a procedure um, or practice. And um, maybe it's something where you, I help you walk through that. So from beginning to end, how did that policy come about? What were the challenges or barriers? What was the, this particular policy created? Um, what was the solution it was trying to resolve? Because there might've been some unintended consequences around that. And so you're thinking that you have this really great policy, but yet again, it might create these other barriers for your client or customer um, or community to interact with you in a true, uh, genuine way as well. So as you've started working with organizations um, around these systems issues, are there themes that are coming up, like common areas that organizations really want to dive into, or you're seeing the same things coming up repeatedly. I mean, I'm guessing that, you know, there are things like um, board leadership and employment policies and um, communication strategies and, you know, things like that. But what do you see from your professional perspective? 
Yes. So regarding systems change, I'm really seeing um, connections to connections to uh, change management, um, connections to diversity and inclusion and equity. So there is an entire system around that, right? And it's, as I mentioned uh, earlier, it is at top of mind for a lot of organizations. Um, and the themes that are coming up are, you know, how am I, how am I contributing to some of the inequities? And how do I make sure that what I am about to do or I'm about to embark on is actually the right thing to do? And I help organizations just talk through that more and figure out, well, is it about connecting with the community? Is it about increasing staff capacity around um, diversity, equity, and inclusion? Um, is it just the system inequity that might exist within your organization? So it might be a combination of several things, but the themes that I'm really um, seeing are, again, around that, that DEI, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion um, strategies as well. And uh, the way that I do a uh, approach is to connect that systems change to uh, change management as, as we would any other um, change that's happening. It's just the complexities of the systems because there are um, different leverage points and the systems are so ingrained that we might not even notice that they're, um, that they're existing. Right. Well, so. and that's, yeah, that's kind of where my brain was going as you were speaking, because while you very naturally seem to think about mm -hmm. systems, I don't know that um, most of us do. I don't think we kind of go through our um, work thinking about, okay, how does this, how does this project reflect the greater systems and how am I, you know, contributing to systemic mm -hmm. problems? I mean, that's mm -hmm. just not the way people naturally think, which is why I think conversations like this are so important because, you know, maybe today for some of the listeners, we can be sort of planting this seed about, Absolutely. are you, are you thinking about this? Are you having conversations about this? Um, can you, if you're not, can you, and where can those conversations happen? That sort of thing. Absolutely. And I think I, I do agree a hundred percent with um, what you stated on. It's not that you just wake up and, and think I'm going to, I'm going to think about systems change today. Uh, that's definitely not it. And I would say through my experience and, and continual education on the topic of systems change, um, some of the leading experts in this field have talked about as youth, we saw systems very easily because um, we were able to, we, re we recognized that there was a system or a barrier that existed that we needed to kind of leverage and, and work through. And so as a youth, many youth think in systems because they're able to see um, inequities and barriers to what they actually want. 
So um, I thought that was just very interesting because as you get older, um, you kind of lose that um, connection in the sense. But if you're naturally a person who thinks in systems, thinks about the complexities of uh, an organization or community, then systems change can come very naturally. It is something that I continually work at as well. Um, because I am constantly trying to learn more and see and start to think in uh, systems and, and do systems thinking and ask some of those critical and creative and uh, collaborative questions so that we could really get to the root of the issue. Oftentimes, organizations or, or leaders within organizations they're trying to solve the surface problem. But with systems change, you really are getting to the root of the cause. And for me and my experience, I'm trying to help you get to the root of, of the cause, but I'm also thinking about it in terms of the effects that it may have on the community if you're an outward-facing organization or um, both internal and external regarding equity. And so I'm looking at it from the lens of as you're as you are approaching solving this issue and making changes with within your um, delivery of services or um, internal uh, organizational um, resources, then are you looking through an equity lens? Are you taking into account any possible unintended consequences as much as possible, right? Like we, we can't anticipate all of the problems, but we can be intentional about thinking about those unintended consequences. And so because that may not come natural to some folks, and it also is um, an area where I'm continually challenging myself to think about, okay, what haven't I seen in this system? Is there something that's missing? So I'm, I'm continually asking myself as the consultant, the same questions I'm asking my clients. I want to make sure that I'm seeing um, as much of the picture as I can and realizing that um, you can't always see the entire system, right? Like the, let's just use a system most people are uh, familiar with, which is maybe the educational system. The complexities of that alone within a school district is uh, enormous. It just is overlap of red tape, um, management, hierarchy, um, you know, et cetera. There's a, and you have community and families and resources and state regulations, you know, et cetera, et cetera. All of those in order to just serve young people. Mm-hmm. And the complexity of that is that um, you, so you won't really see the entire system. Even if you drew it out, you would still, you'd run out of paper simply. But it's important to think about system change in small areas where you can affect the change. So if I am consulting with a principal or uh, a um, department within a school district, I'm just helping them identify their sphere of influence and asking questions around that 
so that they can begin to affect change where, where they are at as well. So that's how I approach the systems change and the complexities of it. Well, I really like that approach because, you know, I feel like sometimes when we look at these, you know, large problems, they can feel so large that we can't get our, we can't get our arms around it. We can't get our brain around it. And so it can feel paralyzing to like, what, what can, you know, little old us do about this larger thing. So I think, you know, boiling it down so that, you know, there's a sphere of influence that you are looking at. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. So tell us where people can connect with you if they would like to, you know, dive deeper into this topic of um, systems change, about equity, about, um, you know, how this is all fitting into their association or trade group or nonprofit. Um, Where should people connect with you? Absolutely. Um, well, I have for my website, you can check me out at um, emboldenaction.com, of course. Um, you can send me an email at info at emboldenaction.com. I'm certainly on LinkedIn as well. Um, and so those are probably my two major um, connection points. I'm also on Twitter at, at embolden.com as well. So I just look forward to uh, connecting with your audience. Um, and even if it's just to provide resources and talk further, um, that's really where I feel um, I can be just as helpful because oftentimes it is the start of the conversation to make some of the changes and it does take small steps in order to affect lasting change. Perfect. So thank you so much for being here today and um, giving the audience lots to think about. Great. Thank you, Joy. Appreciate you. Sure. Hey there, you made it all the way to the end. Bravo to you. I'm back in just one last time to remind you that there's a free one-page PDF available over at the website that shows you more than 20 ways that technology could be supporting your efforts to attract, engage, and retain more members. It's actually broken down into the stages of the member journey, so you'll know exactly where each piece fits. And everything that's on that one pager can actually be automatically done for you with software that costs less than $1,000 per year. So if you haven't already grabbed it, you can get your copy at joyofmembership.com slash tech. Joyofmembership.com slash tech. T-E-C-H. Have a great week and I'll see you next time.